Bill's Mafia, what is going on? Welcome back. Bill's Ology is back. Your Saturday night destination for all Bill's content. I'm joined by Akeem Richens. I'm Dave Myers, co-founders of Built in Buffalo. We have a packed show for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Bill's Mafia, what's going on? Don't adjust your set. That's right. Bill's Ology is back. The show that Built in Buffalo started our YouTube channel with four years ago is back. We are back full time. We've done a, a couple pop-up shows here and there, but for the first time in two and a half years, on a weekly basis, me and Akeem Richens will be back here live every Saturday night, nine o'clock. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter slash X or whatever it's called now at Dave Myers B.I.B. Akeem Richens, how you feeling, brother? Hey, Rich, Akeem Richens. If you don't know us by now, ladies and gentlemen, please get to know us or re-get to know us. We are uh, Bill Zology, only on the Built in Buffalo Network. Uh, Dave, this is it's felt like years since we've done this now i've only i know it's been a couple of months damar hamlin is the last time we've been on but it yep. feel like so much longer and i'm just excited to be on with you be on with my brother and getting back to do what we love to do and what we was born to do and that's get on here and, and create content and, and, and talk buffalo bills football yeah i mean it's been it's been a whirlwind man i mean i remember us back you know i want to say almost four years ago we had remember we had colt schroeder on here for a little bit and we did our thing and and that was what kind of streamlined the success of Built in Buffalo. We we started small, and now we have we're going to have shows during the season on every single night. So I can't wait to see what the rest of the team has put forward. But tonight is about us. Tonight's about Bill's allergy. Um, first three days of camp were packed with a lot of information. A lot of stuff came out. Um, shout out to our team because I think we covered it really well. We had all the press conferences covered. Uh, Lance, shout out our president, Lance Nelson. He was out at camp with T, with Shoop, with Sauce God. They were getting us updates like as they were happening. So a lot of stuff, like I said, is going on. I see a lot of uh, usual people that are back. They were with us when we were here a couple years ago, and they're back. I, I see Let, Let's Talk 716 Sports, Kim Boomhauer, John Robert. So let's get into it. Um, so, yes, the week start, yeah, the week started off kind of weird with the the Naheem Hines injury. Um, it was mm -hmm. kind of, a, I, I say weird because I feel like there was a collective agreement in Bill's Mafia. Like, oh, here we go again. The injuries are already happening. This is something that plagued our season last year. Like, it just seemed like it was week after week after week. Somebody knew was hitting the injury report. So this is kind of a freak accident, right? It's mm -hmm. he got ran into by a jet ski. He was just sitting mm -hmm. parked you know, on his and he got ran into. So this kind of opens up some some different questions I have about Naheem Hines injury and the position on the team, because I was looking at his contract and he's owed five point five million dollars next year. If the Bills release him, it's only a $500 dead cap hit. So first and foremost, Akeem, do you think this is the end of the time for Naheem Hines, as unfortunate as it is um, with the Bills? 
And before I even answer that, if you're watching on Facebook, please give this a like, give this a share. If you're watching on Twitter, give this a like, give this a, a retweet. Last but not least, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, give this a like, say what's up. Super Chats indeed get priority. I know we prioritized the comments a lot in the, in the past. This year, we're going to we're going to focus more on the content. If we get if we get Super Chats or we get uh, creative comments in the comment section, we'll definitely put it up. But as far as Naheem Hines, uh, we're talking about a guy that was uh, traded from the Indianapolis Colts last year. He was, in, in my opinion, the most explosive Buffalo Bills player we had. Uh, I'm not saying we used him a ton, but he added an element to the Buffalo Bills offense that uh, can can be used in advantageous situations. And I know Kelly Skipper was talking about Naheem Hines earlier in the year, saying he now gets a, a training camp, a summer, uh, a preseason to be with the Buffalo Bills and learn that playbook and possibly get an extended role, an expanded role in the offense. And now with this freak injury, now with this freak injury, we don't know what might have happened with Naheem Hines. And to answer your question, yes, uh, I do believe this is the end of Naheem Hines. We heard some some rift already between him and his uh, his agent and the Buffalo Bills front office about uh, about the money and by, about about the financial situation. Uh, Naheem Hines' agent even came out and said, "Hopefully, uh, everybody will have a heart." Um, I'm paraphrasing here and do the right thing is about doing the right thing. So when you make comments like that, I already see some friction when I read between the lines. So to answer your question, with the Buffalo Bills having uh not having the flexibility in terms of in terms of finances in terms of cap flexibility uh in the near future i do think we have seen the end of naheem hines and it's a shame it had to go out like this but i do think it's the end i i i, I wanted to talk about this because obviously we we weren't on when it happened it happened at the beginning mm -hmm. of the week so obviously we're gonna we're gonna go over just just Spoiler alert, we're going to go over a lot of stuff that you might have seen discussed on, on other channels, uh, on other avenues of social media. But we only do this on Saturday and it's our first show back and we want to talk about this stuff. So um, to me, only seeing that $500,000 dead cap hit, if someone comes in and this is this is where I wanted to go with this conversation. If somebody comes in and can do what he did now, I'm not saying they're going to score two touchdowns against the New England Patriots on kick returns. But if someone could come in and be serviceable and give the Bills consistent good field position, mm -hmm. I think this makes him extremely expendable. I I thought that in the offseason that he might have been expendable anyways um, mm -hmm. because of, you know, they signed Damian Harris. They brought in Latavius Murray. What was his role going to be other than the special teams return guy? Um, so with that being said, Let's talk about potential replacements in the return game. Um, I got a couple names, and you let me know what you think. Um, and if it's something, maybe maybe I'm missing somebody. Um, I think the three suspects right now are Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, and then Andy Isabel is fast. So he doesn't have tons of experience doing returns, but he's got four, three, five speed. So are any of those guys you think somebody that can come in and give you the field position? Um, that Naheem, Her Naheem Hines gave us last season. Well, when we're when we're looking at the three that you just named, uh, Deontay Hardy, Andy Isabella, and Khalil Shakir, Shakir uh, in, in my opinion, I believe Deontay Hardy is the front runner to win 
uh, to win both punt return and kick return jobs. We're talking about a, a, a young man that has 77 career punt returns, 75 career kick returns in the NFL, and he was an all pro in 2019. And we see uh, Deontay Hardy, he developed his game and was able to carve out a more offensive role with the New Orleans Saints, showing explosiveness on his offensive skill set. But uh in terms of kick return punt return he has the experience he has the accolades being an all pro guy so i think he's the guy that is is definitely in running to take that spot that uh naheem hines unfortunately gave up due to injury it's going to be interesting and you know i know this week it was seen through multiple sources that hardy and shakir were the guys that were doing most of the return duties so moving on all right so there was a lot of speculation about Vaughn Miller. Um, there was a lot of speculation about Jordan Phillips and if he was going to pass his physical when he signed with the Bills. Well, he did. Um, and now he's on the PUP list. Vaughn Miller's on the PUP list and Tyler Medikevich is on the PUP list, which mm -hmm. that's a that's a crucial loss. I mean, I don't think it's getting talked about enough. The Bills saw enough value in him to bring him back in that special teams role. Um, but let's talk about Von Miller for a minute. Um, I know our guy Lance has been pounding the table that he's he's going to play week one. Um, how much time do you think he's actually going to miss? Is he going to miss a couple games? Is it going to be week six, week eight? I've seen a lot of different reports out there. What do you think the timetable is to get Von back on the field? Well, me personally, I like to I like to break things down, right? What are the Buffalo Bills? Who are the Buffalo Bills? This is a team that is uh, the top of the mountain of the AFC East. We are trying to climb the pedestal of being a Super Bowl champion. And to be a Super Bowl champion, to be in those spots, to get in those positions, you have to have your best players available for those crunch time games, them big time moments. You want your best players to be available. So in my opinion, when I look at Von Miller, being that he's 34 years old, being that he played almost 8,000 snaps in the NFL, mentally, do I think Von Miller can come out week one and possibly play? Yes, I do. I, I don't think this is a Tr Tredavious White situation where he's mentally, I wouldn't say fragile, but He's mentally not there where he's supposed to be and, and having that trust for his knee. He's been there before where he's had an ACL injury 10 years ago, so he understands what it takes to rehab. So mentally, I don't think that will be a problem. But physically, being that he's 34, being that we need him to be healthy late, in my opinion, there's no need to rush him back. The Buffalo Bills have a talented defensive line. They have ascending players on that defensive line and Ed Oliver and, and Gregory Russo. So in my opinion, I would wait to about week six. I'll put them on the pup list. I'll put them in injured reserve for the first four games. Uh, that 21-day window will open up. I'll let them sit out a couple more games, and I will have them ready for about week six, week seven. I think it's going to come down to what do these other defensive ends look like in camp and preseason? Because, you know, they're, the Bills seem to be all of a sudden – loaded with guys for this rotation. And I think there's going to be somebody who's going to be an odd man out, whether it's Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, um, Shaq Lawson. Um, but then, you know, we brought in Leonard Floyd and you got to think about the combination of, of Leonard Floyd and Von Miller and what they were able to do in the Super Bowl against the Bengals a couple years ago. 
Um, and then you also have Groot. So I think it's going to come down to how these guys look. And I don't think Sean McDermott's the type of coach. In fact, I know Sean McDermott's not the type of coach that likes to rush the process. Um, and if, you know, Vaughn, Vaughn can get out in front of a camera and, and speak with the best of them. And he can always kind of rah, rah and, 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 you know, pump up the crowd. But I think that at the end of the day, I, I don't think it would be wise to put him out there, uh, you know, week one, like you said, I think, I think you let him sit out the first few games. Yes. It's week one and it's a division opponent against the New York jets. And yes, we want all hands on deck, but if it's going to potentially cause some issues down the road, we want Vaughn Miller in December and in January and then hopefully in February, late into February, right? That's when we want Vaughn Miller at his best. So as long as he comes back and he he's ready to go 100% whenever that is, I'm, I'm okay with him not starting the season um, on the active roster. Um, all right, so we're going to keep it moving. Don't, don't forget to smash that like. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. We're trying to grow this following. We get to engage with more and more fans each and every week. If you're watching on Twitter, drop some comments, retweet this. Facebook, smash the like, drop some comments. Um, next guy. So the Bills signed a tight end, um, Jay Sternberger. And I think it was very interesting. And I, I'll give a couple nuggets of why I think it's very interesting. So he was drafted in 2019 by the Green Bay Packers. He was drafted in the third round of the 2019 draft. You know who else was drafted in the third round of the 2019 draft? Dawson Knox. So you got to think that he may have been on the Bills' radar when the Bills were going to pick in the third round. We don't know if he was on that board that Bean has or not, but mm-hmm. I, I like that there, there's probably some scouting familiarity with him. There's, you know, there's probably conversations about the, the type of, of tight end he is, blocking-wise, scheme-wise. But the question I have... What? What? <laughs> what? Oh, that's our guy, Lance. Lance is producing our show, by the way. He's going to be producing our show all season. So um, the the question I have, and this is kind of going to make you think a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Does this spell the end for A, Quentin Morris, and B, Reggie Gilliam? Reggie Gilliam has been seeing a lot of snaps in training camp at tight end. We all know that he's kind of a hybrid They've kind of gone away from using him as a full end, more so just a blocker every once in a while to a tight end. Does this spell the end for those two guys? What do you think? You know, I I think it's going to be interesting. Brandon Bean always says, I'm always looking for ways to improve the team. And Jace uh, Steinberger uh, very well could have been on the Buffalo Bills radar uh, at that in in that draft in the 2019 draft, Dawson Knox was drafted 96 overall. Jace was drafted 75th overall, right. 20 slots before Dawson Knox. So uh, you never know what could have happened with that situation. But in terms of of who he who he could upseat in terms of a roster spot, it it could be tricky. In my opinion, I think Reggie Gilliam is a guy that the Buffalo Bills really like. I think they like his versatility on offense as a fullback, as a tight end, and I think they like what he what he does and what he represents on special teams. So I think Reggie Gilliam is safe. If Jace is going to unseat any anybody, it's going to be Quentin Morris in that third tight end spot. They're always looking for competition in in all slots, first, second, uh, third team, and I think Jace is going to be one of those guys that's 
going to uh, push uh, a Quentin Morris. His, his uh, scouting report coming out of college, he was a talented route, uh, route runner. He runs routes like a route receiver. He has above average hands. So we always know we all we, we all should know that Brandon Bean is is going to find or going to try to find Josh Allen weapons. And even if those weapons are diamonds in the rough. So we're, we're going to see what uh, Jace is capable of in training camp and if he can indeed unseat any of those guys for a roster spot. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how many tight ends they keep on the active 53. And we have to remember too, that these guys, Quentin Morris and Jay Sternberger, they're not necessarily competing against each other. They're competing against an extra defensive lineman, an extra offensive lineman, um, an extra linebacker, excuse me. They're competing for a, a 53 man spot, right? Ultimately they're competing just to make the roster. So that's where, to your point, where Reggie Gilliam brings extra value because he plays special teams, because he's been on the team, because the Bills have invested in him. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how this plays out. Um, I'll tell you, it's not a bad problem to have because I think we know who tight end one and two are um, or one A and one B because, you know, we'll talk about Dalton Kincaid here in a little bit. But after those two, you know, it's not a bad problem to have to have a guy who's been in the system to have a guy like Quentin Morris, who I think we show we saw showed some signs last year, had a big catch against the Dolphins um, and then Sternberger, who, you know, could be something. Um, but again, he was out of the league, was playing in the USFL last this past offseason. So it's going to be really interesting to see. All right. I want to spend some time on this one because. You and I haven't had a chance to discuss this topic that's been going on since February, um, where I'm going to talk about Stefan Diggs. Um, I was ecstatic um, when I found out what time his press conference was going to be, and I watched every damn minute of it, and I enjoyed every single thing that he said. I thought he was professional. I thought that he made me think back to the Stefan Diggs of last year, 2021, 2020, very charismatic guy speaks his mind. Um, very professional, still, still shows some semblance of being humble. Um, but he kept saying repeatedly, he kept saying it's water under the bridge because you could tell the bills media was poking him. They were trying to poke him to get him to react to whatever they, they thought he was going to react to. So, First impressions of, of the Diggs press conference. What's what's your first initial takeaways of his presser? Uh, I think he came in and, and actually did a phenomenal job. Nobody uh, heard from Diggs uh, in terms of a press conference, in terms of answering media questions this whole offseason. Uh, everybody was was wondering what he had to say, and I think he took everything on the chin. He answered everything. Uh, he was supposed to answer in a in a in, in the way he was supposed to answer. Very professional, uh, very thorough with his responses, and uh, I think that that's what we wanted to see as fans. We wanted to see the transparency uh, coming from Stefan Diggs and his personality. We wanted to see what he said. We wanted to see uh, uh, how he responded to certain answers in certain situations because you are right there was indeed poking him so we all wanted to know how he would react and in my opinion it's all about winning with Stefan Diggs we know that the wide receiver position is 
quote unquote this this diva position right so it's it's been plenty of guys where they don't get the ball or they don't get or they're they're unhappy usually it comes from the wide receiver position so stefan diggs does have that trait in him being that he comes from that wide receiver pack but at the end of the day stefan diggs uh fifth most yards last year in the nfl over 1400 uh seventh most targets in the nfl last year with uh over nine and a half one of three players with over 140 targets the last three seasons so it's not getting the ball is is not throwing his direction stefan diggs just wants to win and when he feels his team is good enough to win and they're not winning the frustrations are going to set in and i don't think that's being a diva i think that's being a human and having that competitive spirit i think he did a great job in the pressing yeah and i think he was 100 percent transparent like he talked about sean mcdermott he talked about the fact that he showed up to camp and minicamp he showed up to minicamp and he had a conversation with with mcdermott he even said that coach since then has told him that he misspoke when he told him about you know when he came out and said that he was he was concerned very concerned and um and we know the relationship between Diggs and mcdermott we've seen it on display several times in big moments we saw it after the chiefs afc championship game you know he went out and he went out and got him and when he was standing on the field watching you know, the Chiefs celebrate, you know, there was times last year, I believe it was the Lions game when Diggs walked up to him, put his head on his shoulders. And you could tell that McDermott said something to him that got him, you know, back in the right headspace. And I think, you know, he made it a point to say this is not like the Minnesota situation was. He didn't say what was going on in Minnesota. He said he didn't want to give specifics. He didn't want to, you know, talk about it. But he said this is not that. He's like, I, I don't want to call plays. He's like, I have no idea how to even call plays. He's like, I don't want to be that involved in the offense. He's like, I just want everybody to know that when it's crunch time, I want my number to be called and, and I will compete until I'm not playing anymore. And he, he made a, another point to say, I have a lot more football behind me than I have in front of me. So he knows that he's getting to a point in his career where he wants a championship because the window might be closing pretty quick for him, not for the team, but for him. So I think it was, I think it was refreshing to see him sit there smiling. Um, he even got into it with one of the bills media members. I think it was John Walra. He's like, dude, are you going to ask me a question? Like just ask the question. Like he, he was ready for whatever they were going to bring to him. And you could tell he's been pumping himself up for this moment since February. And like you said, if you're not competing and Brandon Bean said this in his press conference. He's like, I was not concerned about Stefan Diggs at all. And I want guys like that on my team that they want to compete so bad and win so bad that they get frustrated because they're not playing up to the standards that they think this team is capable of. And I think that we as fans just kind of see a player getting upset and throwing up his hands or arguing with another player. And we think that they're a problem. No, that couldn't be any further from the case. They're just expressing the fact that they know how good this team is when they are on and they can compete with anybody in this league. And I think it, it was nice for him to finally get that stuff out of the way. He seemed like he was in good spirits the rest of camp. It looks like he's smiling. He's he's engaging with the fans again. So mm -hmm. I do, however, I do, however, want to point out the fact that he made it a point to talk about Gabe Davis and I don't think that they have this huge public relationship. You know, they are wide receiver one and two. 
Um, they've been together for three years now. Mm-hmm. So he made it a point to say that if I'm not here, he's wide receiver one. And he's he was injured all season. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have a monster season in which Gabe Davis the next day in his press mm-hmm. conference said, that's the worst injury I've had yeah. playing mm-hmm. football. And I want everybody to know my ankle's 100% and I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. What do you th- – what do you take away from Diggs? I don't want to say he's promoting, you know, Gabe Davis, but what do you take away about that? I mean, can we ever think of living in a world where Gabe Davis would be wide receiver one on this team? I mean, thankfully we don't have to, but what do you think about his comments kind of promoting his guy? That's exactly what you should do and what you have to do as a leader, right? Stefan Diggs is, the second best player arguably on the Buffalo Bills and for him to to publicly glow about Gabriel Davis first of all it tells a lot about his leadership second of all it it does a lot for Gabe Davis the player he knows that Stefan Diggs is the alpha but the alpha believes in me Josh Allen Stefan Diggs the best players believe in me so I have the utmost confidence and the utmost duty to to come through because of the belief the best players have in me so uh, I believe that it is it is uh, a great opportunity for Gabe Davis to come out in a contract year show that he's finally healthy show he can he can run all the routes in the route tree, show that he can stay healthy and show everybody what he's capable of doing uh, with a full season with that injury, with that ankle injury uh, finally at 100%. So for Stefan Diggs to co-sign for him, I think it's a, up, up, a, a uplift for the offense and an uplift for the individual player in Gabriel Davis. Yeah, and I, th- I was intrigued by Gabe Davis's um, press conference too, because he made it a point to, to say, look, I know where my average depth of target is. It's, it's further than anybody else in the NFL. It's been that way. It was like that when I was in college, it's been like that since I've been here. He's like, I want to do all the other stuff. This is just what's dialed up for me. And this is what I do. Um, and he's like, a lot of people don't understand how much more difficult it is to be successful when you're consistently catching passes that are so much harder to actually complete than the short stuff, you know, the screen passes and the crossing routes and the the little slants and stuff like that. He's like, it's extremely difficult to catch a pass 30 yards downfield because it's going to be contested every time. So Mm -hmm. I I think him acknowledging the fact that he wants to, to be more involved and he should be more involved, I, I think was, was really nice to hear. So mm-hmm. what kind of segue? He hears the noise. He hears the, no- he hears the noise. He un- he understands absolutely. Uh, hit the criticism he faces. He he heard the noise. The expectations coming off a breakout, uh, uh, a hopeful breakout year, following an over two hundred yard receiving performance and four touchdowns against Kansas City, and not necessarily living up to expectations. Not a bad season but probably didn't have the season fans expected him to have. And Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis definitely knows all that. And I'm sure he, uh, he, he took time this off season to continue to develop the routes in his route tree and show what he's capable of finally at hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but a couple more big receptions. He's over a thousand yards. How mm-hmm. many wide receiver twos are we comparing him to then? 
that went over a thousand seven eight touchdowns he's consistently been that i think mm-hmm. he gets a bad rap for having some drops and key moments but i mean the guy is producing at a wide receiver two level you put him on any other team as wide receiver two and he's he's producing you know he's he's probably he's one of the best wide receiver twos i think in the nfl and mm-hmm. for Diggs to say that for Stefan Diggs to come out and say that and support his guy um, just kind of shows the character that Stefan Diggs is. And he said, even in his presser, look, I'm a captain. I've been a captain for a couple years now. There's a reason why I'm a captain. You guys don't see what I do in the locker room. You guys don't see what happens after practice. That's the stuff that my teammates know about me. And that's the stuff I feel comfortable um, with at the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. all right, we'll kind of segue into the next topic. Um, I want to talk about Ken Dorsey for a little bit because I think a lot of Bills fans were kind of hard on him after the loss to the Bengals. Um, I think it was hit or miss throughout the season. It seemed like early on, um, of course, the Bills were winning and having really good success on offense, so it was okay for us to kind of like not dig in too much into um, into detail on what he was calling on a week-to-week basis. But then Josh got injured. It seemed like he was forcing play calls. It seemed like there was times when he was abandoning the run. They didn't utilize the screen game. So multiple reports and stuff that I've seen, I know stuff that you've seen and and read um, online is that Dorsey seems to have wide opened the the playbook. Like it's wide open and he is, he's expressing um, his skill level at being an offensive coordinator. And it's, it's on display in practice. We're talking about, you know, running 12 personnel more, in camp. We're talking about practicing screen passes. We're talking about pre-snap motion. Um, we're talking about guys lining up all over the place on the offense. So what's your take on what we've seen so far now? It's only three days. I, I get that. And he's probably trying to unload the playbook to try to see which guys and which pieces work here and there and what plays work here and there. Um, but what's your, what's your take so far on the, the first three days of what we've seen and heard out of Ken Dorsey and Epples with the offense? Uh, more creativity in practice, right? Uh, creativity, having creativity is is something that I think fans, Buffalo Bills fans, even though Buffalo Bills fans, they're 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 no experts, but there's a poll out there, and they was we are the most intelligent fans in football. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I saw that's what a post, but um, uh, but uh, Ken Dorsey's uh creativity. He want we want to be. We want to be more creative. We want to be more multiple. He's been running a lot of 12 personnel. He's been putting Stefan Diggs in, in motion, pre-snap motions. Uh, and, and this is good in, throughout the first three days of camp because, in my opinion, I think Ken Dorsey last year did a phenomenal job. But I think at times he was too dependent on the on the skill talent and the skill levels of his players. And he was expecting his players to constantly make plays, which they should and they could, the NFL players. But at the same time, it was it was a lot of instances, short down distances, third and four, fourth and ones, when we were like, okay, can, can Dorsey scheme us to a first down? And I don't think we've seen the offensive coordinator scheme a play, scheme a guy for a first down, scheme a guy open. So we want to see Stefan uh Stefan Diggs in motion. We want to see more 12 personnel. We want to see our offensive skill players, our best offensive skill players put in advantageous situations, 
right? So they can take advantage of the opposition. And so far through the first three <clears> days, uh, we've been seeing that. And we've uh, we've been seeing a lot of Stefan Diggs in the slot. We don't know who's going to play slot. Could it be Shakira? Could it be Sherfield? Uh, it could be a slot by committee, right? We could see Gabe Davis playing the slot more. We could see Stefan Diggs playing the slot more. So that is something that I want to continue to see from from Ken Dorsey. I want to see him continue to be multiple. So because let me let me give some numbers right quick. We played the New York Jets on 9-11 primetime football to start the season in New York. Do you know how crazy that game is going to Bruh. be? <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a crazy game. In two games last year, I just want to run off some numbers. Two games last year versus the Jets. Gabriel Davis in two games versus the Jets. Five receptions, 64 yards. Stephon Diggs in two games versus the Jets last year. Ten receptions, 130 yards. Uh, Josh Allen in two games versus the Jets last year. 34 for 61, 352 yards, one passing touchdown, two interceptions. So what that tells me is the New York Jets secondary have a very good one, right? So what do we want to do? early on we want to be able to put stefan diggs in motion line him up against the linebacker line him up against the safety put gabriel davis up against the linebacker we want to be multiple put these guys in motion pre-snap motions to put them in advantageous situations and get them in in uh in good down and field distances to make plays and i think that's what ken dorsey's showing us for i i think he he had a press conference too, and I think he even admitted that there's room to grow. You know, we had we had a, a ton of red zone issues last year. Um, we had some, like you said, short, you know, third or fourth and short distance to go, and it looked like we had no idea what the hell we were doing. The end of the Miami game, you saw his frustration when he was throwing things around and in, in, up in the booth because mm -hmm. they couldn't get lined up to spike the ball. Because the play call, the previous play, was not run correctly. It's all about execution. And that's what he said. He said, we need to execute better. It's not that we didn't have the personnel last year. It's just that we did not execute. And he even said it starts with him. You know, he even said that there's things that he learned about himself. You know, for instance, we as Bills fans have been clamoring for a screen game all, it seems like, since Josh has been here. Like the easiest completion now – Granted, we know Josh doesn't like to take the easy passes, but a screen pass, you now right now there's no there's no reason why with the backs that we have with James Cook and Damian Harrison and Latavius Murray makes the roster, these guys can house it from anywhere on the field. We don't have Devin Singletary, love him or hate him, who was limited in what he could do after he got the ball in his hands, after his touches. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. And like you said, if you line up digs in the slot or you're throwing screen passes to digs, it's un or a, a quick slant. It's unstoppable. It is unguardable. I'm sorry. The times that we did it last year, that was, it was very few and far between, but the times that the bills ran it last year, it was unstoppable. If you needed a quick seven, you throw a slant to digs, it gets 10 yards. It's a first down. And then we were all like, where the hell has this been all season? So mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, with yeah. That. And yak yardage. Go ahead, yeah, so it seemed like he brought that up in his presser too. I'm glad you said that because from the personnel that the bills have added and Ken Dorsey saying, look, we're looking for, for yak or rack run after mm -hmm. catch, right? They brought in Hardy. Who's the speedster. They brought in Andy Isabella. Who's the speedster. Trent mm -hmm. Sherfield has really good yards after catch. Gabe Davis in his presser was talking about, I need to be 
you know, able to run the, the entire route tree so that I can make plays after I catch the ball. A lot of my downfield pass attempts, I'm, I'm, it's contested. So either I'm catching it and, compl- and getting tackled right away, or it's, it's in the red zone. So I think that adding a guy like Dalton Kincaid, who has elite hands, that's going to help. Um, we didn't even mention him yet, but adding a guy like him, I think that there's a lot of ways that the Bills can be creative. It's all going to depend on if Ken Dorsey has the 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 mind that we need him to have with these pieces. Because I think the this is the best receiving core that Josh Allen has had since he's been here. You can say, well, he had John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Cole Beasley. Yeah, but if you look at what they have in front of them right now, if they utilize them correctly – how many jet sweeps can they run with Deontay Hardy or Andy Isabella or any of these guys that are speedsters? Like they're the it's endless amounts of play calling that can be had. So we just have to hope that he has a sense of urgency every single game. And like you said, we need to come out week one and smash the jets in the mouth with you guys can't prepare for what we have. We have so many different weapons. We're going to line up all over the place. And that's what they were doing in practice. And that's why I started the conversation by saying, He's been lining up Dawson Knox in the backfield. He's been doing five wide. He's been doing the 12 personnel. So it's going to be interesting. Take some pressure off the offense. Take some pressure off of Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, how how can you open up the Jets and open up that defense? You have to get them moving. You have to you have to do different things. You're gonna have to run that twelve personnel. You're gonna have to go in motion. You're gonna have to do things to get players the opposition out their spots so we can get a step and make plays. And if Ken Dorsey can do that and utilize the players correctly, like you said, because we have the skill sets. We have Deontay Hardy who could take a screen to the house. We have James Cook that can do the same thing. We have have uh Stefan Diggs and Gabriel D- Davis that can play the X, Y, and the Z. So we have multiple guys that can do multiple things. So it's time for us to take advantage of that. So Ken Dorsey in his second year, because again, I we 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 want to win the Super Bowl. Again, we're we're looked at as one of the better teams in the NFL and favorited to win the Super Bowl, but our offensive coordinator is only going into his second season. So what, what do we want to see most from a guy going into his second season? Just like what I want to see from a rookie going into going to his second season? Progression. I want to see progression from Ken Dorsey. You should be progressed because of your second season. We shouldn't see some of the same flaws, some of the same mistakes from the offense coordinator. If we take that onus to players... Right. We expect players to progress in year one and year two. Spencer Brown, we expect to take that that step in year three because he's in year three. We should expect that same level of progression from our coaches and especially our young coaches. So progression is the name of the game for Ken Dorsey in year two. And I think he's off to a good start. I agree 100 percent. All right. Before we get into uh, Akeem's favorite segment of the show, um, don't forget to smash that like if you guys Throw some comments in there. Let's keep the comments coming through on Facebook, YouTube. Um, this is our first show, so we weren't expecting a, a, a huge audience, but everybody that's here, we appreciate you coming um, and checking our show out. And like I said, we'll be back every Saturday, 9 o'clock, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. All right, so it's time. Are you ready, Hakeem? Let's do it, bro. Let's do it. 
I guess it's still called Tweet This, even though are they, are they still tweets? I, I think so. I think so. X this. I don't know. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll change when we see fit. X going to give it to you. That's the only X I yeah. know. I mean. <laughs> All right. So up first, Chris Trapasso. As we all know, he works for CBS. Um, this has been a theme every single day by just members of media, whether it be Bills Media, whether it be brands like us, whether it be other outlets. Dalton Kincaid has impressed. Um, we're going to get a little bit, we're going to get into him a little bit more towards the end of the show, but what else could you ask for from a first round pick? He seems like he's a humble guy. Um, if you guys watch embedded, uh, the bills put out embedded, it's he's golfing with Dawson Knox. They have an absolute great relationship already. Seems like a, a smart guy. His hands are something. Because I put in our group chat a few days ago, could you imagine coming into the NFL and the, the quarterback you have to catch passes from is Josh Allen? Stuff's coming out like a, a, a rocket. And I haven't seen any drop passes. I'm not saying maybe they just aren't showing them, but it seems like he's catching everything thrown his way. So what's your immediate reaction to Dalton Kincaid as advertised? So far, so good as advertised. Now, I'm reading a lot of comparisons to, to Travis Kelsey. That is a lofty comparison. I did blush and giggle when I saw that because he's on our team. Yeah. But again, that's a lofty comparison, and I don't want to go there yet. But so far, uh, to see him be so fluid for his size, to see him get in and out of his breaks, to see those 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 strong hands where he plucks it out, uh, plucks the football out the air to see all these things is is definitely a good sign. And I know a lot of uh, of uh, us fans talk about the Buffalo Bills. Why don't we play certain rookies? Why don't certain rookies get the amount of snaps and amount of time that we think as fans they should be getting? But I don't think we're going to have that issue with Dalton Kincaid. This 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 is reminiscent to me of of Tredavious White being drafted and and Deion Dawkins being drafted several years several years ago when they got drafted as rookies and they got thrown into the fire immediately and I think that's exactly what's going to happen to uh, Dawson Knox I think he's already an integral uh, integral part of the Bills offense early on and uh so far he is as advertised I love what I'm seeing thus far and and hopefully he can continue to improve uh and impress and give us uh this dimension that we haven't seen that we want to see uh the Buffalo Bills was trying to do it last year I believe that's why they signed a guy by the name of Jacob Hollister for whatever for whatever reason that didn't happen that didn't come to fruition but now we have the guy that we think we can propel this this 12 personnel and get uh more multiple on offense so i like what i'm seeing from the first round pick thus far i mean it's running the 12 personnel is kind of reminiscent of what brian dayball did because we all know dayball was about where can i find a mismatch and when you're lining up 12 personnel and you got dawson knox who can make plays and you have a dalton kincaid who's got elite hands the defense is going to be put in a situation where we pick your poison um you know, are we get, are we going to focus on Dalton Kincaid possibly just rolling out in the flat and just you know taking one for for forty yards, or are we going to focus on Knox? What's he doing? Um, and then you got to focus on the receivers and what they're doing. So I think it's I, I think it's it's nice to see that he wasn't. <clears throat> I feel like he wasn't overhyped. You know, and uh, people got to remember that yes, he is a tight end, 
but let's not focus on the tight end aspect of his position, which is blocking and stuff like that. Like the guy has elite hands. He is a pass catcher per Brandon Bean. He is a pass catcher first. So, all right. Second up here on tweet this. We kind of alluded to this earlier, but it was nice to see that um, the bills did sign Andy Isabella. Um, fun fact. And it didn't get much, much push out there in, in social media, but Keneal Harry actually did come in for a tryout and the bills chose Andy Isabella. So what, what's your thoughts on Andy Isabella? He's a speedster, um, but he was a street free agent. Obviously he wasn't picked up by anybody in the past few months. So what's your thoughts? Uh, you know, bring a guy in. That's a former second round pick. I believe he was 61st overall. I could be wrong. Give a guy that, uh, was that high of a draft selection a chance? He has the explosiveness. I, I believe he ran a 4-3 coming out of uh, – in the combine, coming out of college. And we do have uh, some competition at the that return game, punt return and kick return because of the Heinz injury. So when you have those factors, I think it could be beneficial to bring a guy like Andy in, uh, see what he has. Uh, he has eight career kick returns. Uh, in uh, in the NFL, he done some kick return in college as well. Let's see if he can come over and 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 win a job and uh, and and see if he can help this team. I agree, hundred percent. I mean, there's no no harm, no foul, right? I mean, it's either right. it's either going to work out or it's not. And if it works out, great. You found him at the end of July. So, all right. Up next, I'll tweet this. So. Take these rankings for what they are, the NFL top 100, because as we know, they are voted on by the players. So Jordan Poyer at 57, how do you feel? You think that's fair? Because I think that Micah Hyde, it's being held against him that he didn't play last year. And maybe, maybe the guys were just like, yeah, I don't know how he's going to come back. I feel like they're completely interchangeable. And either one of them could have been 57, 56, 57, 58, you know, whatever they could have, both been, they should have both been on the list. So what's your thoughts at po with Poyer at, at 57? You know, with uh, talking about Micah Hyde a little bit, I, you know, the NFL, NFL players, they, they, they remember what you've, what you've done lately. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's what hurts Micah Hyde, but he's definitely a, a top hundred player in this NFL uh, for Jordan Poyer. I actually think, um, I actually think is 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 a pretty solid number at fifty seven. We're talking about a guy that he he faced a lot of injury. He missed time. He faced he faced a lot of injury. He had to he had to uh, to battle through a lot of things. I don't think he had to battle as much in the past being with the Buffalo Bills. So for him to battle through injury with that elbow, to take long flights, to to go through the things that he's went through. Uh, and and NFL players, his peers acknowledge that. I I think that's a a testament to the type of player uh, Jordan Poyer is, and the type of player the NFL players uh, know Jordan Poyer to be. And now that he's healthy, uh, along with his running mate Micah Hyde, I think this is going to be a, a elevated defense that was that was that was missing. Uh, these guys in the secondary. I don't think Jordan Poyer was the same guy in the playoffs, even though I think he was there. I think he played, and of course, players are going to say they're healthy, but I don't think he was the same player we're accustomed to seeing in Jordan Poyer, and obviously the the loss of uh, Micah Hyde. So I think we're going to get uh, 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 elevated 
and, and motivated group from our safety group this year. And I, I like 57. Not a bad number. All right. Next up on Tweet This. How ironic is it that the Bills Mafia <laughs> – I don't even know how to say this the right way. Matt Milano, 69. <clears throat> like I've seen, I've seen too much from the Bills Mafia fans one way or the other, but we'll, we'll cut through that. So how do you feel about Milano being 69? I have some gripe with it when I saw Poyer was 57 mm-hmm. because I feel like Milano should be higher. A lot more important to this defense than Jordan Poyer is. And I may be on a I may be on an island with that thought, but a lot of people were talking this offseason about losing Tremaine Edmonds. And I was quick to say the best linebacker on the team is still on the roster. So I don't know. I think he's in the top 100. It's it's voted on by the peers. I know there's some stuff out there that some people think that Milano's kind of a dirty player. Um, personally, I think that he just follows through on his plays and and people don't like that he executes his plays if you watch how he plays everything's a form tackle it's not like he's doing things deliberately to injure players but i think 69 is good i'm I'm okay with it what do you think i think it's too low we're talking about an all pro player first team all pro player we're talking about a guy in my opinion who was uh who was in the running i know we have you know the the defensive ends and bosa and, and parsons but uh matt milano was in my opinion one of the best defensive players and in the running for defensive player of the year last year. So in my opinion, I think he was slighted a bit. I think he's still a, a bit underrated as far as talent amongst his peers and uh, grateful to see him make the top 100, but I'm a little disappointed to see him at 69 and, yeah. and, and not higher. I agree a hundred percent. All right. So that's going to do it for this week's version of tweet this. Um, we'll still figure out if it's going to be tweet this or X this or, X or this. whatever going forward. Um, all right. So we talked about Matt Milano. So let's talk about the linebackers for a minute. Yep. Because what are we doing at middle linebacker? Um, reports coming out that there's been just the changing of the guard at middle linebacker. Um, I guess the Bills are doing their due diligence, trying to figure out if one of these guys is going to jump ahead ahead of the pack and and put his foot in the ground as the Bills starting middle linebacker, or maybe it could be by committee. I don't, I'm not quite sure. I've heard a lot about Balen Specter. He's looked good. seems like he's getting more reps than um, Terrell Bernard and Terrell Dodson. So my question is, where's Dorian Williams at? I haven't heard anything. Maybe it's just me, but I haven't really heard a peep from the first day I heard a little bit about him, but the last couple of days I haven't heard anything about Dorian Williams unless he's just they're they're playing him, you know, to, to be Milano's backup or they're just trying to figure out if he's going to be on special teams to start. So I know that was like a super huge open ended question, but like what what are we doing at middle linebacker? Do you think? I mean, is it going to be by committee? Is it going to be we're just going to wait and see on these guys? Or what's your thoughts on all these guys I just named? So ultimately, when I talk about the offense and, and, and this period of time, I, I take it with more of a grain of salt than I would the defense. Reason being is because 
at least these offensive players, they still have to run. They still have to get into the routes, get into their breaks, get in and out their cuts and make the catch. So I still be impressed, even though the pad's not on. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to see them in pads. These the defensive players have to get in pads, in my opinion, especially at a at the position of a middle linebacker position when you're in that front seven, when you're taking on blocks, when you have to shed blocks, when you have to make the tackle, when you when you have to get in coverage and get you down in distance. Uh, those are so much in, in, intricacies from a middle linebacker that we have to see with the pads on. But uh, thus far, uh, early on, uh, Terrell Dotson, if I'm thinking about who would get the nod thus far, I, I would think he is the front runner. Uh, I think Terrell Dotson is that front runner because he has some size to him. He's about 237, 240, and he has that experience. He understands the, the, the speed of the game. He understands how to be a pro in the NFL. He understands through uh, injuries we've had in the past with Matt Milano and, and Tremaine Edmonds, and he had to get enthrusted into that role. So because of all those things, I would think he's the front runner to be that middle linebacker, and I think the Brandon Bean and the defensive staff, staff will give him an opportunity to win that role. But Terrell Bernard, Bale Inspector, those two guys are very intelligent high IQ football players. And I think with those guys, it's more about leadership skills. It's more about intangibles. And those are things you want to have and you want to see coming from your middle linebacker. <clears throat> it's just, uh, can they handle the physicality being in the trenches? Can they shed blocks on the run plays? Can they get back and understand play action and get back into their drops in the zones? And only the experience factor would be able to, to be would be able to let us know that for sure. So I think those things and those are the differences between the linebackers we have with Bernard and Inspector and, and, and with Terrell Dotson. And as far as Dorian Williams, uh, I think uh, I'm going to listen to exactly what Brandon Bean said, and I think he's going to start playing the will at will linebacker. Yeah. Now, if things change, God forbid injuries happen or he he flashes and show that he can handle physicality, things may change then. But right now he is the will linebacker and it's uh it, it it's a it's a wait to be seen with all our linebackers really and truly. Well I can tell you this they have to believe that one of those guys is going to be the guy because right. They didn't do anything draft-wise. They didn't do anything free agency. And we saw what these veteran linebackers, especially middle linebackers, contracts were going for. I mean, Bobby Wagner's contract was nothing. And I don't want to hear about salary cap because Bean always figures out a way to make it work. So unless the scheme is going to be different and they're going to depend on uh, you know a Taylor Rapp to play somewhat of a you know, linebacker role or they're going to depend on Teron Johnson who – plays nickel but technically can can almost be a linebacker-esque player um depending on you know the defensive formations and what they want what they're going to do or they are going to be relying heavily upon the defensive line to create some noise this year i mean we saw what the philadelphia eagles did last year with that massive rotation they had i think they had, how many sacks did they have last year 80 something I think a lot. 86 a lot. or something like that. Something great. And maybe they're banking on the fact that we have all these guys up front. We just got Leonard Floyd. 
So they went and got an edge rusher late into free agency, but they didn't add any linebackers, right? They went and got Leonard Floyd, who's an outside edge rusher, and but they didn't add any linebackers, not a middle linebacker, nothing. So they got to have faith that the guys they have in-house are going to be able to fit into the scheme and make it work because I'll tell you right now, Balen Spector is a small guy. It's like, it's going to be like having two Matt Milano's out there. You know, Matt Milano's a hell of a player and he's, he's quick, but for what, what he has in quickness, he lacks in, in some, you know, gap integrity and choosing the right angles depending on, you know, tackles, because I believe in college, his missed tackle percent was pretty high. Um, so if that's something that can be, you know, coached up and corrected, fine. Um, Dorian Williams, go ahead. I would think now, you know, everything remains to be seen until we see it, everything speculation, but I would think the Buffalo bills would have to be more multiple on defense under Sean McDermott. We're talking about a defense that had Tremaine Edmonds last season at six, five, two, between 250 and 60 pounds and never got out of the nickel defense with Teron Johnson. Now we lose a guy 6'5", 250 pounds. We're putting in a smaller guy at that middle, and we're still going to run this nickel defense with Teron Johnson. We've got gashed in a couple of instances in a couple of games last season and in past seasons. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Buffalo Bills do. Our offensive teams are going to try to take advantage of the Buffalo Bills in the trenches in the run game if if they can't hold up in the front seven. So uh, a lot of questions that will be answered uh, in training camp and, and as the season rolls around. And the easiest thing to compare it to is look at what the defense looked like without Tremaine Edmonds. The couple times he's missed games throughout his career in Buffalo. Um, the defense looked different. Now, that could be something to key in on. Um, that they're going to run a different scheme. Something's going to be different, and and you know, in the back seven is going to be is going to look different. Um, they brought in, you know, a starting caliber safety in Taylor Rapp. So are we going to use him differently? We do have Teron Johnson already in house, who we know, you know, the big nickel. But they didn't bring anybody in. They didn't address it in the draft. They didn't. They didn't sign any free agents. They brought in an edge rusher instead. So. I think it's going to be predicated on the fact of are we going to get to the quarterback? Because I feel confident in the fact if we can get after the quarterback, I feel confident in our back four. Whoever that is, whatever combination it is at CB2, um, I feel confident um, in our coverage. Um, so that's going to lead into our next topic. I brought up CB2. So Tiger uh -huh. Elam and Christian Benford have split reps, it seems, there's reports every day that one performed well with the, the ones and one was performing well with the twos and vice versa. And they were kind of going back and forth. So I feel like, and it's been noted everywhere. And I, I bitched about it on Twitter for all of last season, why Kyir Elam was not the CB two the whole season. And that's no knock on Christian Benford, because I believe we absolutely found a stud that could potentially be a Tredavious white replacement one day. Um, yes, I said that. Um, because you got a guy, you, you, the first round picks are always going to be ridiculed and they're always going to be scrutinized more because of where they're drafted. Right? So if this was a guy who was drafted, even in the second round, I don't think we would be critiquing him the way that we, we would if, you know, 
like he was drafted in the first round. Same thing that's going to happen to Dalton Kincaid this year. Like, if he doesn't perform, we're going to say, well, you wasted a first-round pick. But we all know how Christian Benford performed when he came in and played last year. Actually started the season as CB2 last year, opposite of Dane Jackson. So what do we make of all of this? Because Dane Jackson was getting some run with the ones too. And we all know Dane Jackson, just because he was, you know, he was brought back on a, on a minimum contract. He's not just going to roll over and, 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 and say, okay, I'm, I'm a depth guy. I'll play special teams. So what do we make of the CB2 situation? Is it Elam's to lose? Is it Benford's to lose? You know, what, what are we doing at CB2? What's your thoughts? Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to roll out Dane Jackson as CB2 because what? he's been there. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, this is what I'm thinking the Bills is thinking, and then I'm going to say what I'm what I'm hoping for. I'm, right now, I think that they got Dane Jackson as the guy. He's been there. He hasn't been terrible, right? He's he's in reminiscent of of a Levi Wallace. Give us that Levi Wallace vibe. So I think the Buffalo Bills do like him, and and he will get some snaps. Uh, I like I like Christian Benford, fifth round pick coming out of a coming out of Connecticut, not a big school, but Division One. He was a ball hawk in college. I like his aggressiveness. I like his physical stature, his physical nature. But at the end of the day, uh, he was drafted in the fifth round. And not saying he's not going to be good because I think he's going to be good. But Kair Elam is a first-round pick. Kair Elam has the highest ceiling out of all the cornerbacks on the roster, in my opinion, including Trey White right now in his stage of his career. Kair Elam has the highest ceiling. He's over six foot, six foot one. He has a 4'340. He has a 38-inch vertical. in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, and that and that coaching staff should be putting Kair Elam to get some reps. Let's maximize the ceiling of our first-round pick. That's what I would like to see, being that he's there. But, again, uh, it's early in camp, and we know Sean McDermott likes his rotations and likes for guys to earn their spots. I agree with you. I don't know if I agree with the Dane Jackson. I remember s- several group chats – that you and me are involved in, and we were just talking about why is Dane Jackson out there? Yeah, but I, agree. I I digress. I digress. And like I said, and that's why I, I threw his name in there because he's not just going to roll over. And we know that Mc, he's a McDermott guy. Like McDermott mm-hmm. likes Dane Jackson. There's a reason mm-hmm. why he's back on the roster when you have Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam. You mm-hmm. brought him back for oh, we brought him back for depth. No, you brought him back because he's going to, to compete. compete. He's mm-hmm. going to compete. And the cream rises to the to the top, right? So we'll see. It's just I, I feel like it's interesting because we had, I mean, we had Kyrie Elam on our network, right? And he was talking about what we were asking him questions. Lance and Peter were asking him questions about covering Tyreek Hill and what you know, what's it like to cover Jalen Waddle and stuff like that. He's like, I can cover him, I'm fast. And we all mm-hmm. know that he is our anybody B. So that's that that to me, that accounts to a lot because I feel like the Bills are going to not specifically just run zone defense this year. I think there's going to be more man coverage this year. I really do. And who does that bode well to? Kyer Elam. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, moving on. Um, offensive line. So we're going to touch on the offensive line, um, and we're going to talk about this man in particular here. So the first – 
day of camp, we saw a mix of offensive line. It was mainly Dawkins, McGovern, Morse, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown. The last two days of camp, though, Osiris Torrance has been getting most of the reps at right guard. So the que- the first question I have for you, because we all know how McDermott in rookies works. Everybody says he doesn't play rookies. Some people can say, well, I can defend that and show you the snap count, but special mm-hmm. teams is a lot of that stuff. Um, do you feel like we have our starting right guard in Osiris Torrance for 2023, or you think it's going to be Ryan Bates? As of right now, I know it's only been three days, but as of right now, I think it's I think it's still Ryan Bates. As of right now, I guess I know I know only three days, and again, right now, as of today, ten oh four p.m. my time, seven twenty nine, twenty twenty three. Uh, I think it's Ryan Bates, but again, uh, preseason games have to play. You know, competition, uh, iron sharpens iron. We have to see all these things come into play. And maybe uh, Osiris Torrance as a rookie can unseat him. I do definitely think he's the future. I would love to see him get in there now and, and start and, 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 and get accustomed to the speed and take his lumps from now, right? Kind of like what Andrew Thomas, I know he's a tackle, but Andrew Thomas of the New York Giants, he struggled mightily his first year, you know, but he was out there. He gained that experience. He took his lumps and he's been up. Uh, pro bowl all caliber play all pro caliber player ever since and they rewarded him with a contract so in my opinion when you have a guy in osiris torrance that's 6'5 346 pounds who's a a mountain massive powerful and of a man you get him out there throw him to the wolves and let him take his lumps and let him develop on the fly he's a big dude man there was a picture of him standing next to spencer brown and we know how big spencer brown is he he's a mountain of a man um Ryan so, Bates is in a good spot because you got Mitch Morse. He could play center or guard. And Mitch Morse, he has concussion history, and who yeah. knows how much longer he's going to be with the Bills. I just feel like the Bills have 17 linemen on the roster, and that's not by that's not by accident. Mm. Some team's going to come calling, and I feel like Ryan Bates is probably Ooh. the most intriguing trade candidate. I just feel like the look at what the Bears were willing to offer him, and the Bills had to go and match him. Bean had to go match that contract. The Bills, the Bears were willing to give him a really good salary, the same thing that the Bills matched. So I feel like in a few weeks, somebody might be calling Bean saying, Hey, you got 17 guys, you're stacking, you're stacking <laughs> linemen, you're you're hoarding linemen over there. Like, what are you doing with Ryan Bates right now? And I'm not saying that they're they're just going to pull the trigger because they have this guy that they took in the second round pick who fell to the Bills should have been gone long before the Bills picked, but he looks to be the part. And I feel like we need to, we need to put him out there, like put the put put him in the fire and see what happens. Yes, I know everyone wants to talk about a window and do we want to, you know, we have Bates and he's got experience, but. We, we were trying to improve what Josh went through last year with Josh's injury. Josh was hit from the right side. We have to compensate for Spencer Brown. You know, what should we do? But if you can get something, because I can tell you right now, if someone calls for, for Ryan Bates and Bean pulls the trigger, he's got 10 picks already in the draft next year. That'll make 11. He's not going to keep all those picks. He's hoarding those for a reason. He wants to be, completely mobile in the draft. He wants to have the most mobility to move whenever he wants to go get whatever he wants. 
or he's going to use those during the season at the trade deadline to dangle a carrot in front of somebody and say, Hey, I need this, or I need that. Or what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So just, just something to put out there, but let's talk about, let's talk about Spencer Brown because I spoke to Lance who Lance is an offensive and defensive line guy. He likes to focus on the linemen, the trenches. That's kind of his, his repertoire. Um, I'm concerned about Spencer Brown because from what I've seen, he looks the same as last year. He looks like his feet are, are just stuck in these concrete blocks and he's just slow and stagnant. And that's the side that Josh got hit on that injured his elbow last year. And it wasn't even close. If you go back and watch that film, the guy blew past, I forget who the jets defender was blew past, Bryce Huff. Yeah, blew past Spencer Brown before he even had a chance to figure out what was going on. Now, you said earlier, and I'll allude to this, that we want to give these guys the opportunity to grow, right? It's not the college game. It's NFL. The game is a lot faster. The edge defenders and the defensive linemen are a lot bigger, a lot stronger. They've developed their craft, you know, their moves against opposing offensive linemen. So what – do you think happens with Spencer Brown? Again, I say there's 17 guys on this roster that play on the offensive line. They're not all right tackles, but we have a few uh-huh. of them. So uh-huh. what are we what are we doing with Spencer Brown? Are we is this another wait and see? We make it six games into the season and we're like, all right, well, shit, we traded Ryan Bates, who could play all five spots. So now next man up. Or or we keep him out there all season just to see if he progresses into what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him. If see Spencer Brown, he's playing a position, in my opinion, that's premium. I know it's not left tackle and Josh is right handed quarterback, but in my opinion, it's it's a is a is a very important position. We want to protect our franchise quarterback. We want to give our franchise quarterback time to make plays. We want our franchise quarterback to be aware if trouble is around him. And there were instances last year where the defender got by Spencer Brown so quickly, the our quarterback couldn't even feel the trouble come until it came, right? So um uh, Spencer Brown is it, I think is gonna be on a is gonna be on a leash. There's a reason why the Buffalo Bills re-signed David Questenberry. There's a reason why the Buffalo Bills signed a guy like Brandon Shell, who has starting experience. Exactly. So if if he is uh, if he is not taking the next step. Uh, we know he come, came from a small school. Uh, can't compare. I, I would like to compare him to Andrew Thomas because of the same position. But Andrew Thomas came from uh, a dominant D1 program with the Georgia Bulldogs, and Spencer Brown coming from this small school. And and uh, I forget the school that he come from. Excuse me. But we want to see progression from him. And we don't. Then we have veteran players that's going to step in and try to. Uh, hold down the fort until we could address it later on in the season or uh, in the offseason. I believe it was Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, <laughs> yes. He went. So yep. we got Brandon Shell. We got a guy with who's got a ton of starting experience. I'm not saying that makes him just the key factor to replace Spencer Brown, but what happens mm-hmm. tomorrow in practice? Full pads, baby. Full, Full pads. Goal. So mm-hmm. maybe the Bills are waiting to see what happens when there's – a lot more contact. These guys are in pads. Like you said earlier, uh-huh. things seem to be different when it's the speed picks up a little bit. 
The guys are a little bit – I mean, these guys wait for pads. These guys absolutely wait for pads because they love the contact. And it feels more real, like it's actually, all right, we're getting to the point where we're going to be playing games soon. Um, so intensity should pick up. So we'll see if, if, if it's another day of, you know, he's not, he's just not the, it seems like he's just not the guy and, and it looks on tape, like he's doing the same things and has the same mannerisms that he had last year. I think they need to take a look at what they have on the roster. You've got these, this plethora of guys to put out there, see what works. It's, mm-hmm. it's tomorrow's July 30th. We have, a few weeks until there's preseason. So, so, mm-hmm. you know, let's swap them out and see what happens. So, yeah. all right, let's talk about wide receivers. Um, because yes. I think that this is, I don't want to say it's an embarrassment of riches, but I feel like we're in a good spot. I felt that way last year too. It, it felt like we were in a good spot in training camp and then some injuries happened, right? We had to rely on Jake Kumaro, playing Uh against the Titans. And then Jameson Crowder was gone. And then it was like, okay, we have Diggs and Davis. And then we're signing Cole Beasley off the street and John Brown off the street towards in crunch time down the stretch. Uh Right. So after Diggs and Davis, what are we looking at? The bills signed a slew of receivers, um, including Andy Isabella just, just recently. And they also (laughs) brought in, um, they, they drafted Dalton Kincaid and they drafted Justin Shorter in the fifth round. So mm-hmm. what are we looking at? What have you heard? What do you, what do you think is going to be the, you know, the avenue for success? And then I'll wrap it up by saying, how many receivers do you think they keep on the 53? I know it's early and we usually do that uh-huh. more towards, you know, yeah, we'll do it again. We could do it again, but for now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> As far as, our receivers. Uh, I I think we have we have some talented guys beyond Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. I believe we're in a good spot as well. Uh, drafting a guy like Kincaid gives us a lot of flexibility. You know, we can now line up at in, in twelve personnel. We can line him up in at the slot, and he can be our big slot guy. So, with him, he adds multiple dimensions to our offense that I think can can be beneficial for Josh Allen, giving him a, a, a big target, right? Uh, it could be beneficial for a guy like, like Dawson Knox and beneficial for guys like Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. So I think the, uh, Dawson Kincaid adds multiple dimensions to the Buffalo Bills offense. Deontay Hardy is a guy real small in stature, 5'6", but with the New Orleans Saints, he showed that he's capable of playing on the inside and outside as well. Uh, with his speed and he has explosiveness. So we spoke about Ken Dorsey and his his possibility of being more creative and opening up the playbook. It starts with guys like Deontay Hardy. We want Deontay Hardy to be, and as much as I love Little Dirty, right? We want Deontay Hardy to be a lot more than what Isaiah McKenzie was offensively for the Buffalo Bills. And with his ability to to get that yak yardage, uh, yardage to to catch the ball from anywhere on the field and score and and to show that deep threat and and get downfield and get behind the opposition, I think he adds a dimension to the Buffalo Bills that can be greatly utilized as well, right? So we have uh, those two guys, and we have a guy like Trent Sherfield 
who has sneaky speed. Uh, a guy like Trent Shurfield can help in the run game. He was the he was rated the best uh, uh, run blocker as receiver last year in the NFL. So I think that adds uh, another element to the Buffalo Bills as well. When we want to run them them uh, stretch plays or crown, counter plays or screen uh, screen plays, we have a receiver that's capable of of blocking and 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 winning his winning his assignment and and having a successful play. So uh, I really like the different dimensions the Buffalo Bills added to the receiver room. And last but not least, a guy like uh, Justin Shorter, who's 6'5", who's physically imposing, kind of like a DK Metcalf, right? He gives you that DK Metcalf vibe with when his shirt is off and this big physical uh, specimen at receiver. So I like him as well. And Khalil Shakur is a guy that has been working with Eric Moles throughout the offseason. And I don't think we're talking about him enough. I think he is going to take uh, a major leap in year two. And as much as I want to give Deontay Hardy the job at slot, I think Khalil Shakir is going to sneak up and shock a lot of guys because he could do a, multi a multitude of things on the offense, playing the X, Y, and Z, lining up in the backfield as well. He's a, he's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I think too. If if he makes if Shakir makes the roster just because he wins the return duties, because the Bills want to use Hardy in a different way on offense, kind of like like you said, the Swiss Army knife um, replacement for Isaiah McKenzie, which I think the Bills, Brandon Bean in the coaching staff, I think they value that that position of flexibility, not specifically a player, but that position, yeah. and they want to find someone to fill that role. Um, and you talk about Trent Sherfield and his blocking ability. I think that that's what they wanted from Gabe Davis. They wanted the mm -hmm. ability to get downfield, make blocks, mm -hmm. control your assignment, um, get in space and do what you're supposed to do. And what's funny is a lot of the videos coming out from, you know, who's catching these nice passes from Josh Allen. It's Trent Sherfield. And I think he's one of the guys that not a lot of people talked about when the signing happened. It happened right at the same time that Deontay Hardy signing happened. And I think mm -hmm. he kind of got lost in the shuffle because you had this guy Hardy, if he's healthy, he's explosive, mm -hmm. right? He can do kick returns. He can do punt mm -hmm. returns. He could mm -hmm. take a jet sweep to the house. He could take a crossing route to the house. So I think it's a good dilemma to have. I'm still a huge advocate for Khalil Shakir. I feel like he mm -hmm. was highly underutilized last year. If you look at his depth of target and his catch rate last year, it was the best on the team. His average per reception was best on the team. When, the, when Josh Allen was just chucking deep balls, if it was thrown in the direction of Khalil Shakir, he was making contested catches, and he's not the biggest guy. Um, mm -hmm. He can run the entire route tree. We know we right. want him. I personally want him to be the slot guy, but that kind of makes it difficult to see what we're going to do with Dalton Kincaid, which is going to segue me into our last topic of the show is Dalton Kincaid. What mm -hmm. do you think the biggest – how do I phrase this the right way? How are the Bills going to utilize his talents? Can we expect Ken Dorsey to use this man the way that we all hope that he's going to be used? Just line him up in the slot, run 12 personnel, whatever you want, and just get him the ball however you can. Do we have the faith in Ken Dorsey to do that? Or are we just thinking it's going to be a trial and error thing? We're going to kind of go with the flow from week to week. What's your thoughts overall? I mean, we we touched on Dalton Kincaid a little bit earlier on, um, mm -hmm. but this guy's the it seems to be every bit the part that we saw coming out of college. Like we were sold on elite hands, elite pass catcher, 
Um, the route running is, is crisp. He can get you the yak yards, which is why he was compared to Cole Beasley when he was drafted, because you can line him up in the slot. You need a first down, third and eight, throw it to Kincaid, and he's going to get you the first down and then some. So what can we ultimately expect um, from not just Kincaid, but is do you have confidence that Ken Dorsey is going to use him the way that we all hope that he's going to be used since he was a first-round pick? Yes, I have the utmost confidence. One is because Stefan Diggs, he's there every day. They asked him a question about Ken Dorsey. He has full confidence in Ken Dorsey. He's in the in those buildings with Ken Dorsey. And my alpha number one wide receiver has the utmost confidence. Me as a fan should feel the same way. And I and I do. And I I I really think. Ken Dorsey had a plan his first year. I'm going to go back uh, when they signed Jacob Hollister. And for whatever reason, they did not like what they see, they saw from Jacob Hollister, and they had to do away with it. But when we saw the signing, it did raise a few eyebrows. We we had segments where we questioned, what, what is Ken Dorsey trying to do here? And now flip to this year, we have a guy, once again, that's capable of playing the tight end position and playing this 12 personnel and, and lining up in, in the slot as well. I think Ken Dorsey is going to, is going to finally put that to fruition, be multiple and uh, the Bills should have more success from it. Now it's going to be some growing pains because it's something that we never, we never seen before and that's something that he's never done before. And it's going to be uh, a good test coming out <clears throat> week one against the New York Jets, especially with the outside corners that, that they have and the things they're able to do on defense. But Ken Dorsey, uh, uh, I have the utmost confidence in him to to get the job done, to put Dalton Kincaid in the right spots, to put Deontay Hardy in the slot, use him uh, when necessary, put him in advantageous situations, and understand your opponent from week to week. Right. Okay. This this defense is good. They're a little. They're they're a little uh, below average with the linebackers and safeties. Okay. We want to be able to attack these the, these spots this week. These linebackers. Who can we get out in space? Okay. Let's take advantage in this of the zone opportunities. Let's get Dalton Kincaid out there. Let's get uh, Deontay Hardy out there to take advantage of their linebackers and and take advantage of his speed. So we definitely want to see as fans the. Uh, Ken Dorsey able to put our players in spots to be in advantageous situations to win. And I think he'll do so. I'm going to take it. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to take it one step further. I think this is a Brandon Bean, um, Sean McDermott slash Josh Allen type move because two years ago, Jacob Hollister didn't work out last year. OJ Howard didn't, didn't work, work out. out. They've been Got trying out. to get a second tight end. Even with two different offensive coordinators now, this is the third year in the offseason where they've tried to bring in a second tight end that can contribute on offense, not just as a a blocker, but as a pass catcher. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And as excited as Bean was to get Kincaid, you can tell that this is something he's been waiting for this team and this offense and this system to have. So – just something else to think about in a, a little bit of a different way. Um, it may not just be Ken Dorsey. It may be that the, the the head coach in the front office wants to run 12 personnel, as crazy as that sounds, but they've been trying to bring in a second tight end when they could have easily drafted a wide receiver 
in the first round this year. There was plenty of them available. Now, mm-hmm. depending on how they valued them at that point, but there was still plenty that were taken after the Bills took Kincaid. Um, if they were looking for a you know, pass catcher, no, they were looking for an actual tight end slash pass catcher playmaker. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for our uh, comeback episode of Bill's Ology. Thank you for everyone that stuck around. I see a lot of people stuck around for the entire show. I really, really, really appreciate it. That that goes a long way for us. We will be back next week, same time, same place. Akeem, you have any last thoughts before we get out of here? Man, A. Rich, Akeem Richens. Dave Myers. I was about to call him DM3, but he's relinquished DM3. So Dave Myers, David. Uh Bill Zology only on the Bill. Did you just call me network. David? David, yes. All right. All right, Pops. All right, Pops. <laughs> we appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight, man. It, I it's it's been, you know, uh to us feels like a long time coming since me and my brother got together to do this. Uh shout out to my brother Lance Nelson, who's who's going to be our producer throughout the course of the season. And uh, uh, the chemistry, uh, week one, it, was, it wasn't bad. It will get better uh, the more we do this. So we appreciate everybody that that stuck with us throughout uh, Bill's Ology, our first episode we've done in months. And it's, it's going to get better. And there's a lot more to come. Same time next week, 9 p.m. And uh, uh, once again, thank you. Thank you, everyone.